just thank you for um, the music that we experienced tonight. Thank you for your presence in that through Austinville, through Samantha. Lord, I pray right now that all of us would recognize your voice in that and in the words, Lord, that I'm about to share. As Samantha said, it's all for your glory, Lord. But I also know that you are here to teach us something. Lord, I pray that we would be open to whatever it is you have to say. Amen. All right. So my son, Will, he's my middle son. He's nine. Most of you know him. But maybe there are some things you don't know about him. I'm very proud of all three of my children, but Will is the child that continues to surprise me. Um, Will had an issue in his classroom last year. He was one of the only um, white kids, one of the older, only shorter kids, and it was something that he talked about a lot, and it's something he felt left out. I wouldn't say that anybody was mean to him. They weren't mean. They just didn't include him. And so he would try to kind of be part of groups, and, uh, and certainly he had friends. It wasn't as though he didn't have friends, but there was one particular kid who, like I said, he wasn't mean, but he would say things to Will like, I don't think you should do this or that because I don't think you're, you know, you're not tall enough. You're not good enough at that. And he, wasn't tr he really wasn't trying to be mean. He thought he was being helpful, but it hurt Will's feelings. So last year, the school had this race. I think it was a, um, they had a 20 minutes where they had to run around the entire school and they were doing it to raise money. And they, I don't know that there was an exact you know, measurement of how far that they went, but they had 20 minutes to run around the school. And the whole school did it, and they did it all day long in increments of 20 minutes. So Will's class joined. It was the, um, the third and the fourth graders all did it at the same time. So he was with Ty's classes as well. Ty's in fourth grade, and Will was in third. And Will had been telling his friend, the kid that told him that he probably wouldn't be a good runner, He'd been saying, well, I'm a good runner. I can run. Will didn't know that he would be a good runner. He just wanted to tell him to prove him something. And so he told his dad, he said, Justin said that I can't run very fast. And Aaron said, well, I'll tell you what to do. When you get out there, you just keep running. You just keep running. Don't worry about being fast and don't worry about being the best. You just keep running. So they started off the race. All the third and fourth graders started and they went around and around. At first, these kids got in front, and they sprinted, and they were going to be the fastest, and they were beating everybody, and Will started at the back of the pack. But guess what he did? He kept running. Guess what the other kids did? They walked. But Will, the entire time, just kept running and kept running. He's never done this before, right? He kept running. And then he came to the point where he lapped his own brother, <laughs> giving him some credit. He was very proud of that. But he also lapped Justin. And Aaron was standing right next to Will when it happened. Aaron and I were both volunteering there. And Aaron, William passed Justin, turned around, and said, I told you I was fast, <laughs> and kept going while Justin was trying to catch his breath. Will was the only student who ran the entire time. And he learned that he's a runner. And so this fall, Will joined cross country. I have a picture of him running up here. 
And we learn something about Will um, that really shouldn't surprise us. Will has emotions, but he is the most steady kid. He's just steady all the time. He's kind of the peacekeeper with his brothers. That doesn't mean he's not mean. It doesn't argue. He certainly does. But he's the steady one. And he learned that he can use that steadiness in the mental sport that is running. He's consistent, right? He knows how to control his emotions in that regard. Every one of us in this room are emotional. People love to say, oh, she's so emotional, or I'm not emotional, I'm buttoned up. Well, I have news for you. Every one of you in this room is the same amount of emotional, meaning you were all created to have emotions. God made our bodies to have emotions. But we talk about emotions in that way because we're proud, or sometimes we're not so proud. I'm not very emotional is kind of my husband's favorite thing to say sometimes when he's just comparing himself to my soppiness. I'm not very emotional. And I, on the other hand, am very emotional. Perhaps you guys can relate to one of those two, but the truth is all of us are emotional. We may share or show our emotions differently, but we all have emotion. Right now in the women's Bible study, we are studying um, the Psalms. And one thing I love about the Psalms is that the Psalms really are a picture a picture of human emotions. Right now, I'm going to put several on the screen to read through. So follow this is a long list, but we're going to read through a bunch of psalms. And here's what I want you to do. Take note of the ones that you connect with. Literally take a pen and write it down. Write down the reference if you want. If it's one or two, I'm going to read about 20 of them. So let's read these uh, together. In Psalms 25, 16, it covers loneliness. I am lonely and afflicted. In Psalms 18, 1, it covers love. I love you, O Lord, my strength. In Psalms 33, 8, awe. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. In Psalms 31, 10, sorrow. My life is spent with sorrow. Contrition. In Psalms 51, 17, it says, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. In Psalms 42.5, it says, Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? That's discouragement and turmoil. In Psalms 44.15, it says, Shame has covered my face. The emotion of shame. Exultation in Psalms 21.1. In your salvation, how greatly he exults. Psalms 118.23, marveling. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Psalms 1.2, delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Psalms 1.2, joy. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. Psalms 4.7, gladness. I will be glad and exult in you. Psalms 9.2, fear. Serve the Lord with fear. Psalms 2.11. Anger. Be angry and do not sin. Psalms 4.4. Peace. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. Psalms 4.8. Grief. My eye wastes away because of grief. Psalms 6.7. Desire, O Lord, 
You hear the desire of the afflicted, Psalms 10, 17, hope. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you, Psalms 33, 22. Brokenheartedness, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the cursed, the crushed in spirit, Psalms 34, 18. Gratitude, I will thank you in the great congregation, Psalms 35, 18. Zeal, zeal for your house has consumed me, Psalms 66, 69, 9. Pain, I'm afflicted and in pain, Psalms 69, 29. Confidence, the war arise against me, yet I will be confident, Psalms 27, 3. The Psalms in themselves, you can't quote a Psalm and it's the gospel. It's not the gospel. Psalmists were human beings expressing songs of emotions that they were experiencing. And every time they were expressing them to God. So the women's Bible study is studying the Psalms of Ascent, A-S-C-E-N-T. The Psalms of Ascent are called the Psalms of Ascent because they were written by psalmists who were traveling up to Jerusalem. So they were coming from all regions around Jerusalem. Three times a year, they would come up to Jerusalem to the holy place and be with all other believers of God. It was an exciting time. So they're coming up to a place, but their psalms vary in emotions. Some of the psalms, some of the songs that they're singing as they're walking are joyous. They are so happy and thankful and telling the Lord, thank you for this feast that you have created in this time. And then there are psalms of frustration. They're leaving behind a scary place. They're dying to get away from it, and they need the Lord's help to get through it. Right? So they're coming up, the psalms of ascent. Wednesday nights, Women's Bible Study. You should join. It's great. So those are psalms from the 120s and 140s. So just like us, we can read in the Psalms all sorts of emotions. And I, I would be willing to bet that all of you at least related to one of those emotions, right? Nod your head, yeah? Anybody relate? The great thing about the Psalms is they have been this, this word in, in the Bible that we can go to and we can find connection with, right? We can relate and say, I'm not the only human that God created that's, ex- that's experienced this feeling. And what I love about these psalmists is that they always turn it around to saying, but I know you've got me, and I trust you, and I'll still serve you, and I'll still come to you. All of us in this room have unhealthy ways that we deal with emotions. I do. Today I'm going to talk about two major areas that we deal with emotions in unhealthy ways. I'm going to put it on the screen. If you're a note taker, this is a good one. To most of us, our emotions are either our masters or our slaves. Right? We are either slaves to our emotions or they are slaves to us. So think about that. So if our emotions are slaves to us, what that means is we decide when and how they come out, and usually that means we don't let them. We push them, because we've decided they're only useful at certain times, right? And if they're not useful, shut them away. Do not tend to them. Do not treat them with respect. Push them down. They're not important. They're not valuable. 
And then there's the other side of that. Our emotions are our masters. We are guided completely by our emotions. We are so sensitive to what we feel that we respond to all of them. And we decide that's, that kind of gives us a frame of our day, of our week, of our year, is our emotion. We go off of what we feel. What do I feel? And whatever I feel must be the truth. I know that you know hearing that line, that's not true. Our feelings are not the truth always, right? So then if those are unhealthy ways of dealing with emotions, what's healthy? Dallas Willard says this. I love this line. I'm going to put it on the screen. He says, feelings are, with a few exceptions, good servants, but they are disastrous masters. So Aaron and I drive a Honda Odyssey minivan. It's older. We bought a used one. And when we first got it, I remember driving long. Everything had been checked out. The whole car was fine. It had passed all the tests and all that car stuff. Okay. I clearly know cars very well. So I'm driving in the car, and I'm with the boys. Um, all the fluids are fine. The oil is fine. The engine temperature is fine. The gas gauge is fine. But the check engine light comes on. <gasps> ah! I pull over. <laughs> and I'm nervous because the check engine light comes on. We just got this car. You know, I have three my precious babies in the back. I'm not going to go any further because it could blow up at any moment. So I call Aaron. And here's Aaron's response. It's fine. Just pull out and go. And I'm like, well, our children are in the back. You know, and Aaron, of course, says, I'll check it when you get home. It's not a big deal. You'll be fine. Is, you ask me, of course, is the engine temperature okay? Is the gas gauge full? How's the oil look? Everything was fine. Okay. Okay, I didn't get out and check the oil, but I knew we were good because I saw the number. <laughs> so it was fine. But this is a good picture also of Aaron and I typically handle emotions. I tend to feel an emotion or sense an emotion and respond pretty quickly. Aaron, on the other hand, has to think about it for a while, right? We all know on your vehicle, if there's a light that comes on, freaking out probably isn't the best thing because you can't make good decisions when you're freaking out. But ignoring it also is not the best thing. What do we do? We check into it right? We look into it. It might be get the manual out, look and see what's wrong. We might take it to a professional and have somebody look at it. It might indicate something really horrible that is really expensive to replace. You might as well get another car. It might be something silly like the, um, the, the, like a factory thing that just does like a simple update every now, every so many miles, right? Which is what it was, by the way, it was fine. I didn't know that until later, but still. But that's the same kind of story with our emotions. That's what our emotions are. They are designed to be indicator lights. We have a complex system of health. I mean, God's really brilliant and made our bodies so beautifully. This whole series we're talking about, this unhealthy series, we're talking about different aspects of our health. Last week, Aaron covered physical health. Today, we're covering emotional health. And all of these things work together right? Our whole body is at its healthiest when all of the things are balanced and cared for. Our emotions specifically in our body are designed to alert us to something, right? To alert us that something that is either going on in our body or something that's going on outside of us. Now, emotions are not always bad. They're good. We fail to stop and acknowledge emotions constantly because we don't have time for it, 
right? Especially here. We don't have time. We are so busy working here, we don't have time to stop and take toll of our emotions and really pay attention to them. In fact, I would, I would lean as far to say that I think people in, this, in the D.C. area fall heavily on the varying emotions. Um, some of them, sure, on the other side, but I think we like to bury, we like to not acknowledge, but we all know very well if a light comes on in your car and you don't acknowledge it, at some point your car is going to die. It's going to do something. It's not going to go anywhere, right? If it's an important light, of course. So... I'm not going to tell you today how to deal with your emotions. Like, I can't tell you all the steps to take. That would be a whole other sermon series. But here's what I want you to take with you. I want you to deal with them, to attend to them, not to obsess and not to bury, but to tend to them. They mean something. And your next step when you have an emotion is to determine what it means, the good emotions. Stop and take some time and thank God for his faithfulness. How many times does something good happen in our life and we're excited for a day and then the next day it's back to the grind? Maybe it's even less than that. How often do we stop and take a moment to celebrate the goodness that we have in our lives? How often do we pay attention to it? How often do we make a list of the things that we're thankful for? If you are experiencing happy, excited, joyful emotions, attend to it. Turn it to the Lord and say, you're awesome. You're good to me. Thank you. Take a moment and acknowledge it because you know what? It affects your whole body. It's healthy for your whole body. It's healthy for your mind. It's healthy for your spirituality. It's healthy, of course, for your physical body in a number of ways. Take a minute and acknowledge the wonderful things that God has given you and where he's been faithful to you. Maybe it's a bad emotion or a tough emotion. Now, with tough emotions, they get in the way of productivity, right? And we, At least we seem to think so. But with our tough emotions... We need to tend to it because maybe there's an underlying health issue that we don't know about, that we haven't recognized. Maybe there's underlying pain there that needs to be healed, that needs to be attended to. Maybe a change needs to be made in your life. And if you don't acknowledge that emotion, it's going to keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back. I love how we expect to do the same things over and over again and get different results. You guys have heard that? Because we don't attend to our emotions. Maybe we should slow down and not be such in a hurry and attend to these. Here is the sobering fact of not dealing with our emotions in a healthy way. If we don't deal with our emotions in a healthy way, serious things happen. And they either happen to people around you or they happen to you. We have an epidemic in our country right now. Suicide is one of the, leaders, the leading causes of death right now. And I want you to listen to these statistics because I, I had to stop and pray when I read this because I didn't realize it. According to the Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, there are on average 123 suicides per day in America. Today, 123 people will have committed suicide today in one country, 
That's in America only. Suicide, suicide was the second leading cause of death among individuals between the ages of 10 and 34. And the fourth leading cause of death among individuals between the ages of 35 and 54. This last year, there were more than twice as many suicides, 44,965 in the United States, as there were homicides, 19,362. Clearly, there's an epidemic. We don't know how to deal with our emotions. We don't know when to get help. We don't know when to get on medication. We don't know when to make changes. We can smile and giggle and say, oh, yeah, I attend when I, to my emotions when I get angry. This is serious. When you don't deal with these emotions, it piles up, it piles up, it piles up, and piles up to become so big that you are convinced that nothing could make it better. But we're here as believers of Jesus Christ, and we know that's not true. So let's talk about two different ways of dealing with them, right? Why not go to the manufacturer of our bodies, right? The maker of us, the one who is the most concerned with our health. Why not go to God? So here's kind of step one is to handle your emotions right now. Don't deny or repress your feelings. Bring them to the king. Give them to him. Remember, our king doesn't reign from a position of power like our world's leaders. He doesn't change the world by domination, laws, or armies. This is also true of how he leads us individually. Jesus as Lord doesn't stomp out your feelings. He won't even place a Band-Aid on it. Our king gets to the root of the issue. He subverts your feelings, and he transforms them. And he brings truth and light to them. Number two, present your feelings with discipline and with rhythm. Put some habits in your life that force you to bring what you have to the king. Kneel before your king on a daily basis. Kneel. When I say kneel, what I mean is don't just say words and shout them out to the air. Be in a position mentally and emotionally and physically where you are submitting them to him and you're sharing them with him and you're opening them to him and you are saying, all right, I've reached a point where I don't know what to do with this. I need your grace and I need your direction and I need your peace on whatever the emotion is. Galatians 5, which I'll put up on the screen, says this. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is my second favorite scripture. And I like this because it reminds me from the very beginning, and I've said this to you guys before, but the fruit of the Spirit. How many times have you guys learned this as um, act all of these things out to be a good Christian? Be good, be, 
peaceful, be joyful, be kind, be, you know, be faithful, be gentle. And you sort of think it like earns Jesus. But really, this is a product of our time, a product of kneeling at his feet when we have emotions. So some of you guys know this. Um, I struggled with depression for um, all of my adult life, all of it. I have at many times been on medication and many times been um, seeing many counselors. Um, it's been a real struggle for me. And I think, you know, and there's a lot to that. I think everybody is different when it comes to that. Um, I'm thankful for medication. I am. And I wouldn't sit up here and tell you not to, to go to medication. But so often we medicate ourselves to a point of that's all we're going to do and we'll do nothing else to tend to whatever is going on, whatever God is trying to do in our lives right now. Emotions are not always indicative of sickness. A lot of times they're just indicative that God is trying to call you to do something different. He's calling you to respond to something differently. We call that a Kairos moment. When God is trying to lead you and trying to speak to you, the best thing you can do is stop and respond. You know, Jesus was referred to from Isaiah the prophet as a man of sorrows and a man that was acquainted with grief. We view everything through the eyes of Jesus. We know that Jesus experienced emotions. He experienced sadness. He experienced stress. He experienced anger. He experienced joy. We know these things because he lived it out. And we get to read his word and learn about him in this way. Let us look to Jesus as our example for how we handle our emotions. Every time he expressed those emotions, just as the psalmists do, they came to the Lord. He came to God and said, I submit to you. This is all in your hands. I'm 37 years old, and I'm thankful for wisdom that is coming with age. I know that's not old yet, but I'm thankful that my emotions and my emotional health is much healthier than it was at 22. And here's the big key that I've learned, the big life lesson, and probably the most, um, the heaviest conviction I feel in my heart to share with you today. We can handle anything, any emotions. We can get through anything by being faithful and faith-filled to the Lord. I can come, I get to say to my kids when they're having a tough time, I get to say, you know what? You haven't been where I've been, but I've been where you are, and I can tell you how to get through this, and you're going to get through it, right? How many times do you just need somebody to say, you'll get through it, just hang in there, right? So don't avoid your emotions and bury them you're going to have to face them at some point because it's like a disease in your body. And don't be ruled by them. Don't make decisions based on your emotions. Use it as an indicator light. Something needs to happen. God is trying to speak to me. You are never going to be spiritually mature if you're not first emotionally mature. They affect each other. One more thing I want to tell you. I'm thankful for every one of you in this room. I'm thankful that it's a safe place to tell you that I personally struggle with depression. I also want to invite you all in this room um, to connect with one another. Maybe it's not depression. Maybe it's not something quite that serious. Maybe it's good things. Like the psalmist did, share it. Share what you're feeling with this community of God that God 
this community of God that God has provided to you. God is faithful. He will take you through anything. Let's pray together.